0: hi there thank you for choosing to listen to the sermon we pray that god would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you this sermon was preached at central baptist church pretoria 130 years of believers loving god caring for one another and impacting the world well good morning I did notice, and I'm sure you've all noticed also, the um, baptismal pool is open and full. And uh, I do want to invite you this evening and also next Sunday evening, a number of believers are going to be going through the waters of baptism. So just uh, an invitation, come join us at the evening service and uh, be part of that. I do invite you this morning to turn to, turn to Psalm 1. Psalm 1. And uh, it is my intention, God willing, to preach four messages uh, from the Psalms, and I'm wanting to follow a theme, living in a world seemingly gone mad. I don't know if you feel that or experience that, uh, but as you look around, uh, not only close uh, quarters in our own country but even to the ends of the earth. And, and I, I'm hoping, praying that God would show us that his word has timeless relevance. And so the first message this morning from Psalm 1, reading from verse 1, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. It's like a tree planted by streams of water that heals its fruit in its season, its leaf does not wither, in all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Just so far, the reading of the Lord uh, the Lord's word Lord thank you for this enduring word this preserved word that you have kept that you've given to us as a gift and again this morning we pray that as we seek to understand that we would indeed Lord uh, comprehend the reality by your spirit of that which is written in application to our lives as we face uh, this world that we live in and so enable me in my speaking each of us in our listening that you would be honored that you, Lord, would be glorified. Amen. Now, boys and girls, I want to say this morning that we are very glad that children stay in the service. It's by design. It's not uh, something that is just incidental. We have Sunday school that happens uh, before our main service. And so this morning, I thought I would use a short clip from one of the children's movies, and I'm sure adults have also watched this particular movie called Pocahontas, Pocahontas, I think that's how you say it, and uh, just a single verse that Daniel will play with the chorus, and I want you to look out for a question, because it's that question that I'd like us to uh, tackle this morning as we come to this particular psalm. So thank you, Daniel, if you could run with that, please.
1: The earth is cold, the fields are bare, the branches fold against the wind that's everywhere. The birds move on, so they survive. When snow's so deep, the bears all sleep to keep themselves alive. They do they must for now And trust in their plan If I trust in mine Somehow I might find.
0: So far, just so far. Did you get the question? And again, reminding you of the overall theme living in a world seemingly gone mad. And the question is so many voices ringing in my ear. Where do I go from here? How do you live your life? How do I live my life? I found it to be so true because so many opinions, so many points of view. Uh, So many theories coming in from all sorts of quarters. Uh, So many voices ringing in my ear. Which voice will you listen to? The voices that come, they affect us. They affect those around us. And they affect us either for good or for evil. It can be in the context of the family. It can be in the context of community or country. And it also can be in the course, even in the life of the church. So, just to introduce the topic a little further, history is littered with examples. There are many examples, and I thought I'd just give a couple of general examples of the abundant evidence that we people, we people with good intentions, wanting to do what we think is the right thing, are easily influenced, but often listening to the wrong voices and end up to our detriment and facing difficulty. Financially. Even in the context of my own life, I probably made this mistake, the influence what appears to be a good deal, a good investment, and many people have ended up in bankruptcy, listening to what appears to be a good story. Relationally, smooth-talking young men, capturing the hearts of a young woman, only for her to end up as a victim of abuse. We have someone in this church that deals with that and has expressed the abundance of abuse to women even in this city. Politically, naive citizens buying into the lies of articulate politicians, finding themselves perpetuating cycles of poverty and despair, and then even religiously. In a Christian context, people who claim to be of God and for God have followed leaders to their own demise. There are cults that emerge and develop and, and, and people follow. And, and some weeks ago I mentioned the example of Jim Jones, a good example of a cultic leader leading people to suicide people with good intentions, so many voices ringing in their ear. And I confess this morning, and and I make this point right at the beginning, I am fallible. I easily can fall into this trap. Each of us, I believe, can be fallible. We are fallible with our sinful nature, the remaining marks of sin, and so we can be influenced by listening to the wrong voices to our detriment. So we need to ask, and I want to answer that question this morning from the psalm. What voices are you listening to? Every Christian person must answer that question intentionally, deliberately, proactively, going forward in our lives, listening to the right voice. And we come to Psalm 1. And Psalm 1 is a beautiful psalm, of course, known to us. I think it's one of the more familiar psalms. Exposes us to what I would suggest to you this morning, two categories of voices. Leading to different outcomes, as we'll see in the passage, in the lives of the people. The outcome depending on the particular voices being heard. The particular voices given attention. And so every day, you and I have to choose. We have to make decisions. We have voices ringing in our ear. One of these options will take you down a certain pathway in your life. So my first point this morning, in the first half of the psalm, I want us to consider the the way of the righteous. The way of the righteous. You'll notice the first man, woman, is blessed. I think we all long to be blessed. Isn't that true? We want to know the good hand of God on our lives. We want to know something of a smooth pathway, at least in some measure, before us. Well, we're told, yeah, by the psalmist, that this first man is the happy one. Interesting, the word blessed, yeah, or blessed, yeah, is not in the singular. It's in the plural. Translated loosely, oh, the blessednesses. Of the man, oh, the blessednesses of the woman, or oh, the happinesses of this person. And so the bottom line description is that this person is experiencing a blessedness, a happiness, and it characterizes his life or her life and existence. Now, making a statement is one thing, but achieving or uh, experiencing that particular description is another. And so I do ask myself practically, how then is this possible? How does this happen? How do you share in the happinesses, the blessednesses along the pathway of life? Number one, close your ears to the voice of the ungodly. There's an example in the Old Testament. Some of you will remember the history of Israel, particularly at the juncture of a particular king that died and his son Rehoboam that was to be the next king. And he sought advice. He wanted to know what the best thing to do for the sake of the nation and for the sake of his leadership, supposedly under God. And so he sought advice from two different groups within the Israel the, the community of Israel. And so we have the response in 2 Chronicles chapter 10, verse 13. The response to the people who had come to him for the way he would reign. And the king answered them harshly and forsaking the counsel of the old men, the wise men, the godly men, forsaking the voice of the old men, King Robam spoke to them according to the counsel of the voice of the young men, saying, My father made your yoke heavy. I will add to it. My father disciplined you with whips and I will discipline you with scorpions. And there was a consequence. The consequence was the separation of the southern kingdom and the northern kingdom of Israel. So these decisions based on choices in this particular instance, a wrong choice led to the separation of Israel as a nation. And so we ought to Heed the urging, the statement, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Very practically, as you go about your life, as I go about my life, avoid the influencing voice from anyone, at any level, at any place, who opposes the way of God which we know is from the word of God. A lot of people have these, what uh, some theologians have called vain imaginations, and they think they hear voices from God. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about hearing the voice of God from the word of God. So friends, in this world, in our city, at your school, at your office, even among us in the community of faith, there will be a challenge. There will be pressure. There will be a temptation to identify with that which is contrary to the explicit and plain rendering of the Word of God. In other words, God and His will. We can look at examples in terms of the media. I screened a a clip from a movie. Uh, I haven't actually watched that movie. I was just searching for some illustration. But... uh, uh, the movie world, Hollywood, influencing the thinking in terms of uh, men and women, in terms of family, in terms of parenting, uh, God's design in, in different areas and aspects and modification of language, all of this is coming and not from the word of God, not from the will of God, but from the voice of the ungodly. Not only outside, but sometimes we too, I myself am guilty of this, listening to my own heart. Rationalizing. Sometimes listening to slander. Forming conclusions based on distorted facts. You must listen to the word of God. I want to quote Spurgeon. He says, we dare not heard with a multitude who do evil or think evil. The seat of the scorner is lofty, but near the gate of hell. Keep from that which is not of God and from God, and again i say, explicitly taught in the word of God. We need to understand, we live in a world where there is a kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. That Satan is real, that he masquerades as an angel of light, seeking whom he may devour. He is a sly uh, enemy. He has innumerable devious schemes. So to know the way of happiness, to know the way of blessednesses, requires you and me to subject ourselves to the voice of God. Verse 2, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. This, this is not just a single verse picked out of a box on the morning rush to work. And I've done, my, I've done my duty in terms of devotional. No, no, his delight, her delight is in the law of the Lord. And so, folk, we have to open our hearts uh, to the voice of God. We have to give time to hear the word of God, to know the word of God, to understand the word of God. Like two magnets Think of two magnets. They influence each other when they are close to each other. If you place yourself close enough to the voices, the wrong voices, you'll face consequences. But if you place yourself close enough to the will and way of God, massaging, that's what we've got to do, constantly be massaging the word of God into our hearts, he will shape our lives and our practice, and we'll know something more of the continued good hand of God, which I'm going to just uh, elaborate on in a few minutes. Here's the principle. It is inevitable that whatever voice you allow to shape your thinking will shape the course of your life. So important, I want to go to the Old Testament where we see the same principle echoed repeatedly. Psalm 1 verse 2 is an echo of the charge to Joshua, reminding him that the call to think hard about the will of God is the secret of achieving anything worthwhile. Well-known passage, I'm sure our Sunday school children know this, chapter 1 verse 8, this book of the law, the word of God, Shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. I raised with Carol four children, and I think those of us who have children know that it's difficult to raise children, it's a challenge to be a parent. And so early on in our lives together, we try to learn, having learnt and observed young people in youth ministry, the importance of the Word of God. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 1 is something that we try to hold dear to ourselves in the family. The influence of the Word of God as I'll read in Deuteronomy 6 verse 1. Now this is the commandment, the statutes, and the rules of the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. Hear therefore, O Israel, be careful to do them that it may go well with you. And you transfer this to the next generation. God made us. God knows us. He knows how we ought to function, how we ought to live. We know that he's holy. We know that we ought to conform to his character. And so his wisdom extends to all these different areas of life, whether it's work or worship or relationships or marriage or parenting or citizenship. God's word gives us light and truth. Open your heart to the influencing voice of God. The other benefits So we want to know what the blessednesses are, or the happinesses are, well, yes, some of them. You'll benefit from what I'm calling your quiet growth. The man or woman who deliberately avoids the influencing voice of the ungodly, and instead opens his or her heart to delight in the influencing voice of God, is a recipient of growth. Have a look at the third verse. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. And so the first benefit is that in this world that has seemingly gone mad, you will grow strong. It's a process of growing year in and year out. The Pharisees, we know, were religious but were unwilling to submit to the will and way of God. Jesus gives an explanation to his disciples to the nature of their problem in Matthew 15, verse 13. Every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be rooted up. You see what's, what Jesus is saying here? Your delight, your submission to the voice of God, to the revealed word of God, is evidence That your faith is not man-made. You've been planted by the Lord. There's a work of the Spirit. Jesus speaking to Nicodemus, being born from above. And so we need to see as Christians, as believers, as professing believers, we are not a wild tree, using that analogy. Planted intentionally and deliberately by God, His Spirit being at work in the application of the gospel, cultivated. Think of the terminology in terms of botany, secured and nurtured. Here's a quote from Derek Kidner. He's a commentator on the Book of Psalms. He says, "The rivers of pardon, the rivers of grace, the rivers of promise, the rivers of communion with Christ." Feed your life and nurture your soul. That's when you listen. I listen. You listen to the voice of God from the word of God. You will grow as you look back over the years, being strengthened in your faith. Number two, second benefit to blessedness is producing fruit, the third verse, that heals its fruit in its season. Again, I want to quote from Derek Kidner. He says, the tree, now think of a tree. The tree is no mere channel piping the water unchanged from one place to another. In other words, like a pipe. The tree is not a pipe. But a living organism which absorbs it, the water, to produce in due course something new and delightful, proper to its kind In other words, the fruit comes eventually from a tree. I discovered we we had a missionary in this church. Some of you will remember him, Andrew Murray. And we used to visit him down in the Northern Cape. And uh, Andrew decided to sustain his ministry. He would plant uh, uh, pickernut trees. But he said to me, you know, it takes seven years. Ryan, you remember that. It takes seven years before pickernut tree bears any fruit but now many many years later Andrew phoned me recently he also lost his wife he phoned me and chatted to me he said the pecanuts doing great It's the fruit of a changed life that's what happens God changes us slowly but surely we have spots, we have wrinkles we have blind spots, we have remaining marks of sin and, and, and God is at work Working and working and working, not completing, I'm not perfect, you're not perfect yet. There'll come a day when either Jesus comes to take us or returns for us, that we will be made perfect. But in the meanwhile, there's the fruit of a changed life. And then also the fruit of usefulness. One of my favorite verses, I think you know it, Ephesians 2 verse 10. We are God's workmanship, His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. A wasted, meaningless life is turned into a meaningful, useful life. Spilling over into the eternal ages, that defines real prosperity. Here's the third blessedness. I just, I didn't know what to call it. I I, I used the phrase or the two words, pushing forward. Verse three. It's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Now let me remind you this morning, folk, if you're a believer here this morning and you've been following the Lord and you leave here today, with a desire to follow the Lord, that's already evidence of God's keeping grace. It's already evidence of a miracle. You see, the promises here of immunity of the leaf, again, this is kidna, from withering is not independence of the rhythm of the seasons, but freedom from the crippling damage of drought. They are going to be ups and downs. They're going to be high points and they're going to be low points. They're going to be times of joy and delight and they're going to be times of difficulty and suffering. But in all of that, keeps pushing you forward, pushing you forward, never letting you go. Jeremiah 17 verse 8 also uses a similar analogy. He's like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought for it does not cease to bear fruit. You see, autumn and winter are part of the rhythm of life. But the man and the woman who delights in the law of the Lord, listening to the voice of God from the word of God, will cope with the help of God. Held by the hand of God, dear friends, through all the seasons of life, even when we think we're not going to make it to the next day. In my garden, I have a couple of trees and they annoy me. And the reason they annoy me is because they've sent roots under the concrete of my stoop. And my stoop is cracking. And the concrete is four inches thick. Four inches thick. But you see the the strength of the root. The illustration. That's that's what God is doing in the life of the believer who's listening to the voice of God from the Word of God. The roots under the ground give the trunk and branches, leaves and leaves that strength to withstand the thrashing storms of fierce winds and hardship. And so the word prosper yeah, is not going to be you getting a BMW on Wednesday or uh, no, no. The word prosper means a pushing forward prospering in your life, keeping you, holding you. My second point, which is going to be a short point, and the third point even shorter. What about the way of the wicked? You see, folk, there is another pathway. I think Jesus called it the broad way. But this Broadway excludes all of the above benefits. There are no blessednesses. Life is insecure. There's a vulnerability. There's a life of uselessness. Have a look at verse 4. The wicked are not so. Don't think you can take hold of these benefits if you're not delighting in the law of the Lord. But are like chaff that the wind drives away, just blown. To and fro. Any direction, from every direction, no assurance, no fruitfulness, no meaningful prospect, no real lasting prosperity. Whatever good thing is said of the righteous is not true in the case of the ungodly. Like chaff or like husks just drifting along with with the wind. Intrinsically worthless. Without substance and easily carried away. Again, Derek Kidna, he, he, he says, Death shall hurry them with its terrible blast into the fire in which they shall be utterly consumed. That is a terrible prospect for eternity. Condemnation. Verse 5, Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment. They will not be able to stand before God as guiltless. They are guilty, condemned. Nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. So do you see the two ways? The are two ways. But thirdly, Why is this all true? Verse 6 says, The Lord knows the way of the righteous. To know in this instance is not just information. It's it's more than just being informed. It is to care about. Let me give an example. Psalm Psalm 31 verse 7. I will rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love, because you have seen my affliction, you have known the distress of my soul. But he's speaking here of the steadfast love of the God, which is active, which is being, uh, uh, which is uh, resulting in God being involved in the life of the person. Let me put it better. I think Jesus puts it better in John chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. Not he knows about you, but he knows you in an intimate relationship. They follow me. I give them gift of God. I give them eternal life. They will never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. So my point is this. How does this come about? The life life of the righteous, uh, the way of the righteous? It comes about because of the redemptive knowing. A salvation that takes place. Redemptive knowing by God as a gift to his sheep. Jesus knows his sheep. He gave his life for each one of the sheep. He is their atoning sacrifice, he's their righteousness, he's their high priest. And because they're in Christ, and we sang that song just now, Show Us Christ, it's because we're in Christ. He's the one that we will listen to, the one we will follow, the one that has brought us to a place where we turn from sin. We trust Him for salvation. We identify with Him in the waters of baptism. Died with Christ, being raised up with Him because Jesus died for my sin and has been resurrected, uh, having conquered death and the grave. And so, folks, the Lord knows the way of the righteous, Constantly looking out, orchestrating providentially, leading though it is often in the mist and darkness the Lord knows it if it be in the clouds of the tempest of the affliction, again Kidna he understands it and so like Job, isn't it wonderful to be able to say and I hope you can say this this morning, Job 23 verse 10, he knows the way that I take and when I And when he has tried me, I shall come out as gold. But the way of the wicked will perish. Let me conclude. So many voices ringing in my ear. A couple of statements to sum up what I've said this morning. The righteous man... The one who has experienced the steadfast love of Christ, having received the gospel, the gift of redemption. The righteous man, the righteous woman, has his name carved upon the rock, but the wicked write their name in the sand. I was a bit vulnerable in the earlier service, and I'll do it again. I was a young teenager, and I was with some friends on the south coast, swimming with my friend in the sea. But my friend's sister was sitting on the beach. And she did a big heart on the sand and wrote my name. (laughs) But by the time we we were finished swimming, the waves had already gone over it. (laughs) If you're a believer, do you get the picture? Your name is not written on the sand, dead today and gone tomorrow. There's another analogy. The righteous plow the earth and sow a harvest which shall be reaped when he enters the pleasures of eternity. But not so the wicked. Here's another analogy of the wicked. The wicked man plows the sea and though there may be a shining trail behind his keel. Have you ever sat on the back of a speedboat and you watch the water, the wake, makes a big flurry and all the rest of it? And, and two minutes later, it's gone. That's, that's the point, this quote. Yet the wave shall pass it over, and the place that knew him shall know him no more forever. The very way of the wicked will perish. And so there's a challenge this morning, and I hope there's also an encouragement. Which voices are you listening to? So many voices ringing in my ear sociologists, politicians, activists, my emotions. Oh, Lord, help me to listen to you from your word. Help me to listen to Jesus, who knows me and cares for me and forgives me and carries me and is concerned for me, bringing about his purposes that will bring glory to his name. And Lord, I pray to that end, that wonderful scripture, my sheep hear my voice. May we be those, Lord, who leave here today, having heard your voice, determined, Lord, determined to submit to that verse day by day, Lord, week by week, uh, in trouble, out of trouble, facing hardship and even in times of, of easy living. Thank you for our church. Thank you, Lord, for each person here this morning. Do guide and direct us, listening to you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za.